0: Welcome to Astros Baseball, a podcast by a fan. For the fans of the Houston Astros, here is your host, Rob Fontenot.
1: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. You know, it had to happen. Either the Astros were going to win the World Series, or I was going to have a podcast to tell all of you that the season was over but luckily i got my good friend david tuttle joining me today uh los gatos high high school hall of fame usa pan-american team nine-year professional baseball player and, and one half of the bleacher blums podcast with jeff blum david welcome to the show once again buddy
2: Hey, Rob, thanks for having me, man. I know, uh, like I said, I live here on the left coast in California and, uh, maybe the, uh, the highs and lows of the Astros baseball season aren't as, um, you know, ingrained in our hearts and our minds here as they are in Houston. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I have a fond or I should say a distinct memory of every year when the season came to an end and sometimes it came to an end with, uh, the ultimate goal and sometimes it was like, you know, all right, season's over, pack your bags and go home. And unfortunately, you know, the, uh, the Astros magic, uh, kind of petered out tonight. And, uh, you know, I, I feel for all the Houstonians that, uh, that had to watch that game, but, uh, you know, I mean, such is life as you know.
1: So do you think it would have been rougher on the Astros if they would have just got swept and not came back from that three to O deficit and it, You know, do you think it's rougher now that they almost did it, or do you think the sweep would have been rougher?
2: You know, I think that's a great question. I I saw Carlos Correa after the game last night, and he got a lot of kudos for, I guess he and Bregman watched the 2004 um, kind of postseason with the Red Sox as the only team to come back from 3-0 and, you know, win the World Series. And um, I actually tend to lean towards what Carlos said, which is, you know, if they don't win tonight, then it was all for naught. And so I think that it's the old, I mean, as simple as this is, it's the old saying that, you know, second place is, you know, what is it? Let's see. There's first place and then second place is the first loser. I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody in Astros clubhouse is like, yeah, it was great to win those three games and lose this one. So I know that's not maybe
1: what everybody wants to hear, but I think they're probably pretty disappointed. What was that race car movie where the guy told his, the dad told the son, Bobby something, if you're not first, you're last. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. It was. Uh, it's, that's Will Ferrell. Gosh darn it. It's Talladega Knights, right? Yeah, but I was, Ricky Bobby. Mm-hmm. Ricky Bobby. If you're not first, you're yeah. last. And I can Fair. tell you this. The, the only championship I ever won in sports in my entire life is my one and only year that I played soccer, and we never lost a game. But other than that, like the Astros are going through, you know, like you just said, the season's over. You either win it all or the season's over. And uh, so my tweet after the game, you know, I was I was upset a little bit but not as bad because, <laughs> because the Astros helped ease me into it, you know, because yeah. they didn't really seem like they were going to win at all. Uh, but my tweet was this. You know, uh, I already forgot what it was, but I'll tell you, I'll just, I'll just try to, I'll kind of like just tell you what I said without knowing exactly what I said, if that makes sense. But it's like great season Astros. Thank you. You did, uh, you exceeded a lot of people's expectations. It was a great season, something like that. And that's how I feel. I mean, we talked about it earlier a little bit, you know, No Justin Verlander, no Yordan, no Osuna, uh, no Peacock, no Joe Smith. I mean, that's a lot of pieces to miss and be two uh, runs away from going back to the World Series again.
2: Rob, you know, it's funny. I had not thought about that until you mentioned all that. So let's put this in perspective, right? The Tampa Bay Rays were 40-20 and during a 60-game season. The Astros were 29 and 30. <laughs> I mean, so before the postseason started, and we actually had a little, uh, you know, kind of a, 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 on our podcast, right, a teaser about that. And then we had TK on, Todd Callis on, when they were pr- starting the series with the Rays. And in all honesty, I thought the Rays were the better team just based on those numbers. And what happens when a team plays the way we know they can which you already just pointed out, no Verlander, no Alvarez, no, I mean, Garrett Cole had obviously already left and he wouldn't be there anyway. But, I mean, when you look at the pieces of the team being together, no Peacock, um, none of these guys. Uh, What were your expectations before the postseason started, right, before they played uh, the Twins? And then what were your expectations as they kept winning games? And I think that's the one thing as a level-headed person and not a die-hard fan that you have to keep in mind. And I think what you just said is apropos when the season end, it sucks unless you're at the top of the mountain, but really realistically Houston fans, what, what were your expectations before this thing got rolling? What were they?
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it was kind of a roller coaster of expectations when the season ended I really thought we had a chance to beat Minnesota. The pitching was there, but the offense was was not there. And you win championships with pitching. Uh, you also win championships with home runs. Um, but So I, I was confident. And then I knew if we got by them, we would have to probably face Oakland more than likely. And when that was decided, I was like, I don't know, man. Uh, they got great pitching. They got uh, great hitting. They beat us seven out of ten times. You know, I don't know. I don't know if we can beat them or not, but I think we have a chance. And then they the bats came alive, and then you go into Tampa Bay with a whole new level of expectations because they created that. Yeah. that. That's why I said the roller coaster. You know, we talked about the guys missing, and I left someone out because I don't think he's that big of a piece, and that is Chris Davinsky. I don't think they really miss that guy that much.
2: <laughs> I don't
1: know. I mean, I think you miss all those guys, but I guess my point
2: wasn't even we could name the guys here and there. I, I think more importantly that let's let's be honest with ourselves. After a 29-30 and 30 season, You know, you're kind of limping into the playoffs, and I would agree with you. I mean, with experience and talent and some items that uh, maybe we haven't covered, I just think, yeah, I would expect the Astros to beat the Twins more often than not just based on experience, and, you know, that's the old, let's throw our gloves on the field. The A's, it was a different story. The A's had beaten the Astros most of the games this year in the series. You already said seven out of ten. And the Astros were really young. Their pitching staff was young, and they didn't have the experience. But more importantly, the Astros' bats hadn't really um, done what they needed to do against the A's. But as you already pointed out, pitching, I guess, home runs. But I think that's the flip side of pitching. If you have crummy pitching, they're going to hit a lot of home runs. But pitching and defense wins championships. And I think after beating the uh, Twins and moving towards Oakland, the pitching on the Astros' side was much better. And that kind of proved to be the differentiator in that series. But but you already said, like, I mean, what really were your expectations? Did anybody in Houston besides, like, the crazy diehard fans expect the Astros to win the World Series this year? I don't think so. Would it have been incredible if they won tonight and then had a chance to go to the World Series and beat the Dodgers or the Braves? Absolutely. And now if they had made it, I wouldn't put it past them to win it all. I just think prior to the Rays-Astros series, although my daughter and you know uh, my heart said that the Astros could or should win, uh, I just felt like when you look at the Rays with their record, you know, 40 and 20, best record in the big leagues, and their pitching, I mean, it was going to be a tough task. I think they just gave us that false sense of hope.
1: So, like I was saying, the roller coaster of emotions. You go into the Tampa Bay series with higher emotions, then you lose game one. You lose game two. You lose game three, and your expectations go back down. You win game four. You win game five. You win game six, and it's back up again. And today, like I said before, it's one of those games that, I mean, besides the – I don't know. I mean, Lance McCullers hit the first guy, first hitter with the first pitch of the game. So I never, ever – when the games – before the game, I thought we were going to win, but during the game, it was like, oh, no. And so one thing about it, and it probably affected both teams, is the shortened season, you know, the seven-game playoff, there was no days off. There was no real chance to reset everything. I don't think in a perfect world that Lance McCullers Jr. would be your Game 1 starter. And I tweeted this too at the beginning of the, the game that, you know, it's Lance McCullers against Charlie Morton. And out of those two, who would you rather have on the mound?
2: Well, I mean, it's a great, that's a great question. I know it's a little bit rhetorical, but, you know, I mean, Charlie Morton, they just put the ERAs up tonight because uh, I was watching uh, SportsCenter prior to coming on the podcast. And uh, number two on the uh, all-time postseason list in uh, – I guess, uh, final games where they call us, uh, what, what's the seventh, the deciding games of series it is Walker Bueller with a 1.12 ERA. Number one on that list. CFM, Charlie Morton. Yeah. He's like point, like 0.57 in deciding games or like winner go home games. He's 0.57 ERA. So I think that answers the question, which is, you know, you know, who you'd rather have on the mound, but I honestly, and I'm saying this as a fan, just kind of watching games, last night as Ron Darling and Frank Coor and the uh, play-by-play guy started talking about the series and how it's going and what, what should transpire, I thought when they got when they took Ian Snell, who had won the Cy Young Award, I mean, imagine Justin Verlander being on the mound. It's four and two-thirds, men on first and second, you're up one-nothing and the manager, A.J. Hinch or Dusty Baker, comes out to the mound to take Justin Verlander out. Do you think Justin Berlander's coming out of that game? Like, they would have had to, like, knock him unconscious and drag him out of the game. They took Ian Snell out, and I texted Blummer, man. I texted him and said, hey, this is, this is crazy. They're taking him out right now. And what happened? The Astros scored four runs or five runs right away in that inning, and I kind of felt the same way tonight. Except to your point, the mood of the game was different, and Morton was kind of mowing through guys. But when they took Morton out, I thought that was their opportunity.
1: Okay, so I actually had a question for you about that because you were a pitcher in professional baseball. Uh, so going back to Morton, you know in his uh, great playoff or postseason, mm-hmm. he was he's the fifth pitcher to have five consecutive postseason starts allowing one run or less. And so, I mean, he's like Lance McCullers Jr. is a little erratic, as he proved tonight. You know, he might give up three runs and then give you, you know, six more scoreless innings, but you never know. But, I mean, you got Charlie Morton, who's just money. Money in the playoffs, winner take all games. He's money, and that's why I'd rather have him. Yeah. But the thing with Blake Snell, and I don't know why you're calling him Ian or whatever you're calling him. Yeah, oh, yeah. his real name. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know. know. I,
2: called uh, him Ian. I called him Ian on our podcast as well. There's some guy named Ian Snell. I don't know. Sorry.
1: I had someone on the other day that knew someone that played baseball for Baylor named Ty Fontenot, and okay. he called me Ty through the whole thing. And uh. I never stopped him. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't care. I, I was tied that night. That's fine. No, but I got you.
2: So, Blake, thank, you. <laughs> yeah. thank God you corrected it.
1: All right. So I was going to ask you about that. So Morton is just rolling along. He's got a guy on first and third with two outs, and they pull him out. Do you disagree with them pulling him out even though it did work?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, so, again – the, I, and I, maybe we've covered this before, you know, if you've listened to my podcast as well, like I always, I mean, results are great, but I, you know, if you're aspiring to be great, as you said, or, you know, these guys, these athletes, these professionals are tip of the spear in their profession. If you throw a three, two fastball right down the middle and a guy swings and misses, um, you know, That's not a good pitch, right? That's not what you were trying to do. You got to get them out with something better. But if you got them out, then, hey, you'll say, hey, I got lucky. Count your lucky stars. If you throw a nasty pitch kind of down and away or in the dirt and the guy gets a hit or hits a, you know, a Texas leaguer that falls in and you lose the game on that, you know, if you execute the pitch the way you want to, then you have to be happy with the result. Or I, I shouldn't say that. You don't have to be happy with the result. You have to deal with the consequence or deal with the result. And I said this just what I just talked about with Blum last night. When they when they took Blake Snell out of the game, I thought that was the Astros opportunity. And I've never been in a dugout um, you know, with the manager's hat on, like Dave Roberts or, you know, Aaron Boone or Dusty Baker or A. J. Hinch or any of these guys. But it seems like even Joe Madden a couple of years ago with the Cubs, he was doing everything he could to lose the World Series against the Indians by putting Araldus Chapman in the sixth inning or the seventh inning. It ended up working out for them, and they won. But I still disagree with what he did. And so that's a long answer to say, yeah, I disagreed when they took Blake Snell out last night, and I disagreed tonight when they took Morton out, in the sense that what would you do if it were the regular season? I realize the playoffs are different. But it's your, it's your gut. It's your vibe that tells you what the right thing is. And as you said, so it worked out tonight, but I just thought you've got the number one pitcher of all time in, you know, win or go home games on the mound and there are no runs scored. I mean, why not ride him for one more hitter?
1: What's crazy is they took him out and Astros nation had a sigh of relief. I mean, oh. I was, I was like, oh god, thank god he's out of there. Like now we have a chance, you know. That's so it's, right. it's, it's weird that they... they. That's go. right. If you had that
2: sigh or that thing, then the whole world had that thing, and that's what I said last night when Blake Snell came out. Who would you like to? If Blake Snell gets out of the inning last night in the fifth inning, and he gets into the sixth inning, and now you're in the seventh inning, and they go in the bullpen, like who would you rather have on the mound, right? Like let's bring in the, you know. Granted, the relievers of the Rays are outstanding, but those guys all throw ninety. But now you're in the bullpen. Now it's like that revolving kind of like cycle, and you 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 have a chance. And that sigh that you had tonight, like, whew, like they got Morton out of there. That's exactly what Astros Nation all felt, and probably the hitters too.
1: Mm-hmm. So going to the to the game, you know uh, McCullers, because I'm going to ask you about him next. He hits the first guy with the first pitch, strikes out the next guy. It, I think it was Lau. And then right on cue, you know, the, the announcer say something about he's getting ready to throw a fastball. And, and, I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, don't throw this guy a fastball. Hmm. I, I would rather walk a Rose Arena than pitch to him. I mean, he's just killing us. And he throws a fastball over the fence, two to zero right away. Is that what you were thinking also when you saw that?
2: You know, I don't, I don't always just second guess pitches. I mean, they've been talking about a Rosarina. He's obviously hot, but then they brought in a lefty to face him last night, Taylor, and he mm-hmm. got that ground ball to second base, which was impressive. Um, you know, I mean, guys are hot for a reason. I mean, he he's swinging out of his shoes but I don't second guess pitches as often as I second guess kind of maybe mindset or like temperament. And I think what you said that kind of set the tone for the game. So I don't so much second guess that, Hey, you're down two nothing. But if you watch the next eight innings, I mean, that was a really quick kind of deciding game that Astros swung at a lot of first pitches. They never really seemed to put pressure on the Rays. And I think, this coincides with what you're, not what you're asking, but with what you're feeling is the Astros never really tonight, especially, and maybe that is on McCullers. They never really put pressure on the Rays to, um, to kind of earn their way to the world series. You know, they, Mm -hmm. the Rays did what they want to do, which is let's jump out to an early lead, make them feel uncomfortable and then ride, you know, ride Charlie Morton to the playoffs. But yeah, I thought, there weren't a lot of high leverage, like high high pressure innings. Is that?
1: I mean, didn't you feel that way? Yeah, it just. I think they they had some kind of stat, and I wish I would have wrote it down. Uh, something it was something crazy like fourteen out of the first nineteen hitters that Charlie Morton faced swung at three. He threw three pitches or less to him. Something like that. I mean, they were just helping him out. They're swinging yeah. at first pitches. They, you know, they weren't fouling off 20 pitches. I mean, I still, I don't even know how many he, he left with. He didn't really throw that many. I mean, that's yeah. what I was thinking he, when they took him out. He still had some some bullets in the gun. I didn't understand did. why they took him out. Yeah,
2: well, you know, again, it's funny. It's nice to have a, a what do they call it, a something of riches, right? A, a, uh, he, I mean, that bullpen is, crazy good so you know cash is cash is kind of like go-to is going to the bullpen right i mean um you know he just has so many uh guys down there that throw 95 96 97 that can get guys out and guys that he trusts but but i i would agree with you i think it was 14 of 19 you know three pitches or less and then the other stat was um, you know, he had 45 or 46 pitches into the fifth inning. He was in the fifth inning and he only had 45 pitches. So, I, I you know, I don't understand it. I've talked about it on our podcast. I might have mentioned it to you before. I don't get why in the postseason, everybody just seems to run to the bullpen as quickly as possible. If there is one team that can do that, it would be the Rays because every single guy throws 97 and their their numbers are crazy. So, I think tonight was, I don't know, tonight was interesting because I felt like even when the Astros were down 3-1, to that game, let's see, game five and game six, all the pressure seemed to be on the Rays. I mean, the, the Astros made tough innings and they, you know, they extended innings, they fouled pitches off, they got hits when they needed to, like just that kind of pressure. And there wasn't, there was a glimmer, obviously, when they got the two runs, but my, my, the inning that was the high leverage inning, the inning that they needed to get to him was when they took Morton out. It's three, nothing and Springer's up. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh and I just felt like, okay, they got to get to him right here. They got to get to him. If they get a run here or two, it's the seventh inning and that puts pressure on the race because they got to get, you know, eight, nine more outs with, with a lot of, um you know, eight or nine outs is a lot different than three or four. <laughs> and so, I felt like that would have made the end of the game tougher and he might have had to go to the bullpen more. And it just never happened.
1: Lance McCullers gave up a home run to Zanino who crushed it. So like you said, we're down three to zero right away. I have these stats here for Morton after five innings, one hit, five strikeouts, no walks, no runs, less than 50 pitches, and he gets taken out the next inning. That just blows my mind uh, how well he was doing. So we go to Lance McCullers, who didn't even make it out of the fourth. And when Dusty Baker came out to get him, he was telling him – I think it was Kiermeyer who had the injured hand. He was telling Dusty that, I, you know, I can get this guy. He can't even swing. Yeah. And they brought in Rayleigh, and, you know, he just struck him out easily but so let me ask you this this is one of the notes I had for you since you're a pitcher so he didn't want to come out have you ever been in a situation where you didn't want to come out of the game but the manager wanted to take you out
2: you know it's a great question I don't remember isn't that crazy I mean yes I guess the short answer is yes I don't remember specifically when or where or how that was but yeah absolutely you don't usually want to come out of the game but I think this kind of begs the question a little bit um, about what you said before about Lance McCullers. It sounds like as a Houston Astros fan, you didn't think Lance McCullers was kind of the guy to start the game tonight.
1: No, I, I wish – I mean, I was. I would be more comfortable with Arquiti, you know, starting. I think – I mean, Framber, I'd be most comfortable with him, but they – you know, he pitched game six. But I don't know. I mean, Lance McCullers has had some outstanding games this year, and he's had some bad ones. And even this one wasn't that bad. He only allowed three runs. He didn't last very long, and his pitch count was super high. I think he didn't even last four innings. He already had 75 pitches, gave up two homers, but he only gave up four hits and one walk. So it wasn't like it was totally horrible. Well, no, and he struck out seven, but I guess – The
2: reason I ask you that is not, I mean, because you can go through the stats and the stats are important, but I think you touched on something earlier, which is like, had I ever been taken out of a game, but I didn't want to. And I will say for someone who played, you know, nine and a half years of professional baseball, but, you know, didn't make it to the big leagues, aside from, you know, like major league camp and spring training, things like that, you know. There are guys that you play with that are, you know, for lack of a better word, I mean, you know, Josh James on the Astros. Like, I don't know what he did to his foot the other night, but he got his, he hurt his foot and he just walked off the mound. You know, it was like, you know, he throws 98 miles an hour. Like, if I had that stuff, I, I wouldn't come out of the game unless I tore my Achilles. Like, I don't know if he hurt his toe or if he twisted his ankle, but he came out of that game really quickly.
1: Yeah, he hurt his back.
2: Yeah, okay, but there's just guys in the on your team that you know you can go to war with. And I'm not saying Josh James is or isn't one of those guys. I was just so surprised. Like he tweaked his back and he was done. He like walked off. So I would, you would have to, I mean, it would have to be like a significant back injury or, you know, something really severe to get me out of the game. And I think, I guess this is more of a high level comment, not specifically towards Lance McCullers or Josh James or anybody else. It sounds like as a fan, you weren't super happy about, you know, Lance McCullers as the choice. And then Arquiti came in. He pitched really well. But I think there are guys that have the stuff and the makeup. And Lance McCullers is a very good major league pitcher. Mm -hmm. But when the light shines the brightest, I mean, look at Colt Morton, uh, Charlie Morton. That's actually the best example is Charlie Morton is kind of a, you know, I mean, he's a decent pitcher. I mean, I think the years with the Astros really built his confidence. But, you know, until that point, Charlie Morton was kind of an average major league pitcher. What team in the big leagues right now wouldn't want Charlie Morton to be on the mound in game six or seven for their team? Which one? You tell me. None. They would all have him.
1: Everybody would want him. Yep. You're correct. Correct.
2: And that's what I'm saying. So sometimes there's just guys you want on the mound with the game on the line. And I think what I hear you saying is maybe Lance McCullers isn't necessarily that guy. He's a great number three starter, a great number four starter in your rotation. But, you know, maybe he's just not that guy that you're going to have, you know, close out a game. And I think that's the, not the apprehension, but that's kind of the nerves that you felt tonight. And it came to fruition.
1: Yeah, he wouldn't be my first choice but he just the way you know the days off and the order that it just happened I mean I believe he pitched game two and seven it's just the way it happened I'm pretty sure Dusty probably had confidence in him and his team had confidence in him you may had more confidence in him than me people listening to this may have more confidence than me but I know for a fact that nobody would pick him over Charlie Morton. We've already went over that about 35 times in an hour. But, you know, but anyway, I mean, he did He did okay. Uh, but it's just it, the, the two opposites. We talked about how Lance McCullough – I mean, we talked about Charlie Morton barely working. I mean, you know, two or three pitches here or there. But Lance McCullers was throwing tons of pitches. I mean, they, they were making him work.
2: They were, and and I think, I don't know. I mean, like I said, we can go around and around and around. I just, there's, there's a couple of high-level things, which is there are guys you want on the, you know, in the foxhole with you and guys you don't. I'm not saying Lance isn't one of those guys, but Charlie Morton is definitely one of those guys. And maybe the reason that the game turned out the way it did is because Charlie Morton, Made it that way, right? I mean, the guy has great stuff. He knows the Astros hitters from being part of that clubhouse. And, um, you know, he took the kind of snuffed out the flame, right? Snuffed out the energy that the Astros had moving into, uh, to game seven. But I guess just from a fan and just watching the game, I never really felt like the Astros had any, um, uh, they never had any leverage. Right, The last few games, I felt like they had leverage, and I think this was your original point. When a Rosa hit that home run in the first inning, it felt like, uh-oh. And then there was never any fire or spark from the Astros. And so yeah. I, I don't know what caused that, but I certainly felt the same thing that you
1: felt. I think it just changes things. If you're, your starting pitcher hits the first guy, the third guy gets a two-run homer, now you're going up to bat, You know, not trying to get your team a lead, but you have that extra pressure of being behind. And after two innings, they're down three to nothing, and the pressure is even more. And the sixth inning, uh, Zanino got a sack fly, so the Astros were down four to zero. So let's go go later in the game here. Uh, The Astros had runners on the corners. I, I have notes here, and sometimes I can't read them. Uh, they had runners on the corner with one out. Uh, Bregman and Tucker both got singles, and then Yuli Guriel comes up and he grounds into a double play. The inning is over. So that was that was our first chance to get something done in the seventh. That was Yuli Guriel's fourth time in the series that he hit into a double play, and he's 0 for 13 with runners in scoring position. Uh, you, uh, Dusty kept saying, Yuli Guriel's a professional hitter. I got confidence in him. He's going to come around and he never did. Are you surprised Yuli Guriel never came around?
2: I am. And I would have given him that chance over and over again. So again, this kind of, hopefully this supports the point I made about, you know, who your big game pitchers are and who they aren't. I mean, you know, if this is the Astros days of yore, right, and Verlander was healthy, like Verlander probably would have found a way into the game tonight and or, you know, as you said, like Peacock and some of the guys that have kind of been there through the wars. And, uh, and I think, I mean, you as an Astros fan, again, this has to go back to the, the expectations you had prior to the postseason. Yuli Gurriel has been in some big spots and created some big moments for Astros fans in the past few years. Um, yes, he wasn't doing it, but who do you put in that situation? I mean, do you put a lead miss in there? I mean a lead miss had a good series here. Mm-hmm. I just think you establish these roles over the season. And this year the season was a little bit shorter. But you know, Blummer's a good example. You know, he used Jeff Blum like he always, you know, he was reliable. He became a utility guy. Did he want to play shorts up every day for a team? Absolutely. But he became a utility guy and he learned how to be a utility guy and he knew when he had to be on right 7th inning or later you're going to get a pinch hit you might pitch in against this guy or this guy and i feel like yuli Guriel is i mean he's a mainstay in the astros lineup he's a professional hitter and he's a run driver inner man he drives in runs like nobody's business and if he got a hit there we would be having a different conversation but i mm-hmm. think he's he's certainly the guy that i would trust in that scenario so
1: i agree with dusty that. saying he you know you can't get him going on the bench. So he has That's to be right. out there. And let's say he did get going after game three. Then you're looking at game four, five, six, and seven that we have the Yuli Guriel that we all know. Uh, you That's go great. to the eighth inning. The Astros had the bases loaded. Uh, Diaz walked. Altuve got a single. And Brantley walked. So, yeah. you know, we had him in trouble here. Uh, Carlos Correa. Delivers a two-run single. It's four to two with two outs. We have Bregman, who really hasn't done anything, and he strikes out and kills that. But I was still pretty happy that they at least got two runs out of it. You know, you're not expecting them to get everything. Uh, they go to the ninth inning. Uh, Tucker strikes out, and I have a note right here. This is that's like, when
2: Guriel got his hit. <laughs> this is
1: this is. I'm telling you, this is. Live taking notes right here. I put Yuli Gurriel, Y. That's what I put, Y. And then I put single, exclamation point. So, see, I second-guessed myself. But anyway, Reddick struck out. But Reddick, that was a very good at bat. I mean, he really fought hard. And then it's really deflating when you have a chance and then, like, the guy swings at the first pitch and pops out and you feel like, man, just... See a few more pitches, like, it just feels very deflating, and that's my word of the day. Uh, yeah. But the Astros lose. Uh, 37 of 38 teams did what the Astros did. They went down 0-3, and, and, and they didn't win. Only one team was able to do it. So we had history against us. We had the – they had the better starting pitcher. Uh, so one more question. I mean, I probably have more than one, but in uh in game six, if you remember this story, we before Correa had that walk off, Framber Valdez was warming up. So you being a pitcher, how much do you think I mean, and he still pitched beautifully, so it didn't hurt him, but So he warmed up the night before. And and so how long does it take a pitcher to get ready to go, like a bullpen guy?
2: Yeah, it's funny you said that because I I was a starter for a while and then I was a bullpen guy. But, you know, I believe many of these guys, especially talent-wise, are fairly equal when you get to that high high level. And this kind of goes to my thing with whether you want Charlie Morton or Lance McCullers. I mean, you kind of know the guys on your team that have that never-say-die, like, killer mentality but as a reliever I mean I could get ready in like seven pitches because you figure I've been stretching down there I'm pretty loose I need to fire like four or five pitches and then when I go out to the mound I'll get five or six more you know seven or eight more so yeah I mean I could be ready in like 20 throws so yeah you're in you're ready to go
1: because they had mentioned something when he actually because he was ready to go And does that take a lot out of you to get ready to go? It doesn't sound like it to you.
2: Well, so the difference is, and I don't know if this is where the question is going, but if you get up in the sixth inning and you warm up and then they sit you down, the guy gets out of it, and then you get up in the seventh inning and you get loose and you're like ready to face the next hitter and they get out of it. And then in the eighth inning when you get up, It's not the energy. I'm telling you, it's the mentality. It's the spirit, the like, all right, I got to get ready to get in there and kick some ass. And that's the part that may be challenging. But not from an energy standpoint. You know, if you throw five pitches here, five pitches there, you know, it's not a big deal.
1: So they were saying in game six, when Framber went in, you know, if he was struggling at all, which he he pitched great. He did. they, They were saying... Oh, look what he's doing. Maybe him getting up and getting ready to pitch the 10th yesterday is having an effect on him today. And that's – I think you knew that that's where I was going with it. Do you think – that's what I was saying. If you – I mean, maybe because he's a starter, he has to warm up longer. I don't know. I I think bullpen guys may have a different, you know, routine maybe because when you're starting, you're, like, getting ready for it all week, right? And then – You had this whole routine, so maybe it took him longer to get warmed up. Maybe that's what affected it, but I don't –
2: No, no, that's a great question. I mean, that is – there's a different mentality. But, again, it's kind of your expectations. I mean, I can go back to when Clayton Kershaw last year when they lost to the Nationals, and the Nationals ended up beating the Astros, which is crazy, but the the, – when Kershaw came in, remember he was pitching in the, he came in relief in game six or something, the Dodgers had been up. And uh, he faced the lefty and got him out. And then he came out to start the next inning and he gave up a single. And I just thought, first of all, I thought when he got the lefty out, that was it. He got out of the seventh inning unscathed, it was all good. And then Dave Roberts sent him back out. I think that's all mentality, starter, reliever, what otherwise. or otherwise, it, his job was done. So again, it's not a, it's not a physical ability thing. It's a mentality of, you know what? Dave had me come in. I got the lefty out. I'm done. Right. You almost have that letdown like that. All right. I did what I had to do. Oh, I got to go back out there. Oh, okay. You know, and then you go back out there and he gave up a single and a home run and then they took him out and he looked like the goat. You know, (laughs) the example I can use was from last night's game, that double play they turned. Remember they reviewed the end of the game? Mm -hmm. Presley got him out the double play that ended game six. That double play, if they show that uh, Guriel's foot came off the bag, you know, and then Presley has to, like, get back out there with a guy on first, you know what I mean? Everybody kind of thought the game was over. They handshake. They say, "Uh, oh, no, 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 the game's not over. They didn't turn the double play. That's a huge – that would have been – I hate to say it. I know it was only it was a seven to four ball game at that point. That would have been a huge turnaround for the Rays. They to get another out would have been a big task for the Astros.
1: Yeah, it'd be totally different mentality. You know, one team's like, "All right, we get one more chance." Yeah. The other team's like, "Oh no, I thought we won. I've already, I've already started shutting it down." Yep. That's
2: Rob. You nailed it. And I'll say two (laughs) things about that. One is. That's exactly the mentality of a starting pitcher and a relief pitcher. It's the letdown. It's the mental expectation versus the reality, right? So if you're a starter, you might take longer to warm up. And that, and that's the same thing that um, – I mean, anyway, that I just lost my train of thought. But that's, that's, <laughs> that, is, that is how to get your head around what the difference is between, you know, starter, reliever, um, you know, how quick you – you know, how long it takes you to get loose. This is always my argument. I I got my train of thought that I make on our podcast where this is why I believe they can never have an electronic strike zone or replay with baseball in the way, the way they're using replay right now is fine. But could you imagine like a three, two pitch on the corner and the the umpire says ball four and the team wins the world series and they go crazy. And then they go back in and review the pitch and they call it strike three. Like, like how is that even feasible in baseball?
0: <laughs> yeah, right?
2: they've already mobbed the field. They got the champagne pop. Nope, sorry, strike three. What? Are you ant? Are you anti robo ump? Oh, for sure, absolutely. Yeah, me too. And mainly because of the things I tweeted to you. I was every once in a while i'll read one of your tweets, and I'll just try and keep you on track. It's like, look, if if you're getting screwed, you're getting screwed, right? That's one thing. But if the umpire is calling the strike zone the exact same for both teams, that's all you can ask for it may be a horrible strike zone you know yeah. i mean he may be calling balls strikes but guess what everybody on that field knows what a strike is
1: yeah you brought it to my attention and i didn't realize it but i wasn't paying attention to the <laughs> the strikes being called in our favor but I, I was noticing that was low that was low you know and and that i think is that game that you tweeted me that he was calling all the low ones, but, you know, if it was right at the top of the zone, he wasn't calling it. But, you know, I kept watching, and I was like, okay, the guy's consistent. I'm totally wrong. You know, delete the tweet, you know. There you go. Well, you don't have to do that. But go back to your high school days, right? Like, think
2: about, I mean, just all you want to know is what a strike is and what a ball is. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, if up is down and down is up, then great. But all you want is some sense of what's happening. And when you are allowed to know the rules of the game, then you can play the game, right? So if I know what the rules are, I'm good. And that's why that robo-ump thing is just, I mean, seriously, you you know, it it just, I just can't see a way that it, it, I like that they keep the umpires honest with it, right? They do a lot of reviews by saying, oh, yeah, you know. You called, whatever, 92% of these strikes and 94 were strikes or whatever the number is, right? Like, they they, they do kind of scrutinize these guys and test them based on the robo-strike zone. But they also let that human element be a part of the game. And I think that most players, teams, front office guys, umpires uh, appreciate that.
1: We had Dustin Garneau on the Sunday Strows podcast, which you're familiar with because you, you were actually the very first person to make the video for us, you know, that we started. I mean, it's still going. However long ago that was, you made the video. It It's continuing. And, uh, so one of the, the fair or foul questions that week was Robo Umps and he said foul. No way. And he said that. That's how catchers make their money with with pitch framing, <laughs> and he said that's Love it. you know that's something that helps you get you a job. That's a skill that you can have, and you know he I think he brought up Max Stassi in the mm-hmm. conversation, and uh, so yeah, so that that's when I was I've I've always been anti robo There's some guys that listen to this that are pro robo-ump but i i like the human element whether they're wrong or right yeah. you know it's it's just do, do me a
2: favor and tell me what the pro is for the robo-ump i'm curious and i don't mean that to put you on the spot but what and you're anti anyway but what are the arguments your buddies and the folks that listen to the astros baseball podcast like what what is the argument for the robo-ump because you know tonight when i go to bed i'll have to uh <laughs> lay my head on my pillow and give it some thought but i'm just curious is it the consistency or the the uniformity or just the i mean i don't know what what's the argument
1: i guess they just want everything called the way it is but i don't like it i mean and i i don't know i i'm totally against it and they're not you know mark you if you're listening
2: uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe but- you can have Mark you come on the the podcast again, or at least tweet tweet us and say, hey, you know, this is what I believe would be um, reconciled or rectified with the Robo because you know I watch tons of sports. And my daughter plays soccer, so I'm watching Premier League soccer. I watch the NFL. Tomorrow's Sunday, I'm going to be watching the NFL, and they use replay, and there are some kind of unfortunate in my opinion like uses of replay but i feel like they use it kind of sparingly and they use it in the right um i don't know in the right context and i just don't see how that translates to baseball so
1: yeah i i think football kind of overdoes it a little bit i know they're just trying to get everything right yeah but it's like it's like these guys are in the no huddle going fast yeah And they challenge something that you know is a catch and they, and maybe they're doing, maybe that's their strategy, you know, trying to slow them down and get them out of rhythm. But going back, that's part of it. Yeah. So going back to baseball. Yeah, please. If you do not know the, the final line, the Astros lost two to four. Who do you think had more hits? Well,
2: Tonight, so the way the series went, I thought the Astros really showed well. And I felt like they dominated. Even, like, game one we talked about, they lost 2-1. to But they had a chance there, you know, in the eighth inning to kind of break it open. I mean, didn't they have, like, Springer up with the bases loaded or something? It just didn't happen. Um, But I would say the Astros out hit them. tonight... I did not watch the well. I watched the end of the game, but you know we keep talking about uh, Charlie Morton's performance. I mean, through five innings with less than fifty pitches, with one hit, and I think the uh, Rays had four or five hits. So I would say tonight the Rays out hit the Astros.
1: The Astros had seven hits. The Rays had six. How about that? Charlie Morton left the game. Yeah, exactly. Charlie Morton left the game. And after five I, – I don't even know what his hole was, but somewhere in yeah, the sixth, right? Yeah, five and change, yeah. But after five innings, I think maybe Charlie Morton had two hits in that inning. They took him out. I don't remember how the guys got on base. But, yeah, after yeah, five innings – Yeah, a walk and a hit, I believe, when they took a, him out. Okay. After five innings, one hit and one, one – uh, no walks, and okay. we actually got more hits. So the Astros were two for five. With runners in scoring position, they left seven on base. The Rays were 0 for 2. They only had runners on scoring position twice because yeah. they didn't need it. They had two home runs. One was a two run. One was a three. Yeah. I think. So let me ask you this.
2: But Let me just say modern-day baseball. I say pitching and defense because I'm an old man. But yeah. in all honesty, they have pitching. So, yeah, they hold the other teams down. But that's the old three-run homer mentality. I mean, the Rays scored so many of their runs on home
1: runs. Okay, let me ask you this before I forget: you got a guy on third, you got less than two outs, you fly out to center field, the guy scores. Are you O for one with the runner in scoring position?
2: Uh, no. Because you got out. No, 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 O for no, no, no. That's that counts.
1: A sacrifice fly? will give you Yeah, in. sacrifice fly.
2: Yeah, sacrifice is not in the bat.
1: Oh, so it's just totally wiped out. It's O for O. Yeah. Oh, okay. I did I did yeah. not know that.
2: Yeah, so same with uh yeah,
1: with a butt. Yeah. Oh, that's that's good to know. So anyway. The Astros lost, going back to that, season's over. Uh, I told you before the show that I was you know. They eased me into it today, you know, they, they never had a chance to win. And I told you, give me, a, give me like 20 minutes, you know, to check on the wife, get the notes ready. And I started getting sad. I started feeling it a little more. And, uh, I don't know. I don't feel as sad anymore. I feel like it was a good year. Um, I don't know. But here's some well, here, things. Oh, go ahead. Let
2: me ask. No, let me ask you a question. So again, this is kind of a question we danced around earlier. If I told you a twenty-nine and thirty Astros team was going to play the forty and twenty Rays, and they're down three games to none in the series, like wouldn't you have got gotten prepared sooner for the ultimate kind of, I guess, the finale of the season? I mean, I, what? Yes, you know, I was for or, I was... or if they went to the World Series and lost again. I mean, like, what <laughs> were the expectations? What were the expectations anyway? I'm not saying you should root against them, and I'm not saying you wanted the season to be over earlier. But just, you know, tell me what you're, th- you know, we got to kind of manage those expectations in the sense that what were your expectations when they kind of limped into the playoffs at 29 and 30 and then versus tonight? You should be sad. It's never fun to see the team that you root for lose, and the finality of it is here. But I think if we have a couple of days to think about this, and hopefully, um, you know, when the podcast comes out, that'll be, you know, in the next few days where we're like, all right, that when we have some time to think about it, we'll realize that they probably exceeded our expectations. And, um, you know, and it was a pretty, pretty darn good season.
1: Well, going into the season, our expectation was to be in the American League Championship Series against the Yankees. That was the, you know, I didn't even really expect us to go to the World Series, you know, because I kind of bought the the narrative that the, that's one of the biggest words I've ever used. I bought the (laughs) narrative (laughs) that, you know, Yankees got Garrett Cole, they're going to win it all. And, but I knew we had a chance, but when Verlander went down, you know, Bregman's not Bregman anymore. Uh, you know, 29 and 31. I, I didn't have the expectations to get as far as we did, but that's what I was saying. They kept changing my expectations. Yeah. And so going into the priest, going into the postseason, my expectations were definitely not to get where we ended up. And it was a great season. I mean, I mean, you've got. Ten guys or so. I think there was twelve or thirteen total, but there's probably like ten guys pitching for the Astros that never even pitched above A balls I mean, they're like pitching uh, for the Fayetteville Woodpeckers and stuff like that. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not guys that were in Triple A Round Rock or Corpus. I mean, you're talking about Anoli, uh, Paredes, and Luis Garcia. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, Rayleigh was in Korea for five years. It's just crazy. I mean, it's a it's crazy how far we got with those kids. That's that's what I'm.
2: I totally agree with you, and so I appreciate that you bring some. You know, you know, fan is short for fanatic, and I realize that you're you live and die with the Astros as you should. I mean, you're a fan, but when you start pulling out names of guys that were with the Fayetteville Woodpeckers and things like that. I mean, this, this team achieved a lot. And I think the part to shed a tear for, or the sadness should be that, you know, I already mentioned, I don't, we didn't mention this on the podcast, but no. off the air, I was saying the golden state warriors, you know, I'm a Bay area homer. And, man, watching the Golden State Warriors, they were terrible for so many years. Even with Run TMC, Chris Mullen and Mitch Richmond and those guys, like, they were just terrible. They just could never get out of their own way. And then we finally got, like, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and this team that could win it all. And they won it all. And then they went back to the championship the next year and they lost. And then they added Durant and they won again. And I was like, man, this is like a never-ending thing. Like, the Warriors are going to be the greatest. And it's already gone, you know, (laughs) I mean, now it's like the Lakers and the Clippers and all the other teams while everybody else gets healthy. And it's disappointing. And I and I feel like if we are going to shed a tear for the Astros, you know, it's like, you know, pour out the 40. Right. You know, let's pour out a 40 for, you know, Correa, Bregman, um, you know, Gurriel, Springer and uh, and Redick, you know, because that's the core group of guys that has carried the Astros kind of through this, this heyday, this, this height. And if they're not able to put all those guys in Altuve, of course, excuse me, but if they're not able to, if they're not able to put those guys back together on the field next year, you know um, Brantley's become a really nice asset to the team, but man, if Springer leaves or Brantley leaves or Altuve or Correa or, you know, any of these guys kind of change positions and leave, then, I think it's worth like you said the finality of it is worth shedding a tear because it's uh it's kind of the dawning of a new age or a new era and it's you know it's a little sad.
1: The only guys we have signed long term is Altuve and Bregman. Yep. Uh Altuve uh 462 in this series with a 1447 OPS. Bregman 143 with a 343. So Altuve outshined them by far. Uh, Correa and Springer, you always have the I, – I have this conversation plenty of times. And, uh, you know, if you only have the money to keep one of them, who do you keep? Are there other outfielders you can get to replace Springer, the heart of the Astros? Or is there someone that, you know, is Carlos Correa going to be harder to replace? Can they keep either one of them? Who knows? I, I have no idea, but today, you know, going with the Golden State Warrior thing and going with being sad, this could be the last time that you see George Springer in an Astros jersey.
2: Yeah, and I think regardless of whether he comes back or not, um, I mean, if he comes back, obviously, then great. But, uh, you know, it would be interesting to see what James Click does. I don't know enough about his – GM style and how they want to keep the team together if they do Mm -hmm. Um, or even Dusty Baker if he has any input but I I, I would agree with you and I think um, we've seen this over the course of years with other guys and other teams but uh, you know I've become very fond of the Astros because uh, it's part of our podcast and certainly being on your podcast and paying attention to them a little more uh, readily than I would uh, it's yeah I mean I, I think the likelihood of Let's put it this way. I don't know what the choice is going to be, but the fact that you have to choose between one or the other and not have both is going to be sad for many, many Astro fans.
1: Yeah. We don't even know if we have the choice. I mean, if they're free agents, they can go anywhere they want. And, uh, but I mean, I'll tell you this. You you talk about James Click being our new GM. You know, when we had a Lunau I mean they never are you what is that?
2: Are you drinking? What are you doing? No. Something just a spoon fell in the oh. sink, yeah. I'm killing so, the podcast. So, Sorry.
1: Oh, that's all right. <laughs> uh, so this is an amateur podcast. It's okay. We have sound effects. <laughs> Let me tell you this. I'm gonna tell you this, I'm gonna tell everyone listening. You we you were talking earlier and where I'm sitting, I can see my front porch. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's blinds right here. I can open them up and see on my porch. And I could have swore somebody was on my patio. And I got so warm and so scared that I was going to tell you, hey, we got to stop for a second, dude. I got to go see if someone's on my patio. But I I fought through it. I fought through it. We're still here. We're still going. And I'm totally lost. I'm totally lost on what I'm talking about. But, yeah, what I'm saying, yeah, about – about it being their choice and we 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 go to luno i think he had the we have the history with the astros but you can't really say that now because we have a new gm but they've never let someone reach free agency and then sign them and i don't know exactly how it works but i'm assuming george springer is a free agent right now is that how it works
2: uh, no. So, I mean, not officially this minute. I think the way it works is, that that's a great question, but I believe it's always at the end of the season. That's how all the stuff works at the end. So the last game of the world series, there's like, maybe it's 24 hours after the last game of the world series or something.
1: So one question we're going to have on tomorrow's Sunday Strohs, and this is, he's been up in the rumors, but, uh, AJ Hinch, you think someone's going to get him?
2: Absolutely. Yep. That'll be my, what it, what's it? Fair or foul? That'll be fair. Yep. They've <laughs> talked about, um, you know, I mean, think about guys that have been suspended for steroids or guys that like Asuna had that thing hanging over him from Toronto, right? The, uh, abuse, like spousal, spousal abuse or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some allegations like, yeah. I mean, you tell me, would you hire AJ Hinch?
1: No. Oh, well, there you go. You're effing strong. <laughs> they are. They really are. I let like me it. You, let me tell you this. I mean, like, I know that makes it sound like I'm okay with beating up your wife but not cheating. I know that's how that might come out. No, but, I don't think so. But he's the manager. I mean, I'm upset that we have to deal with all this. Yeah. And he was the boss. Yeah. He could have stopped it, and he didn't. So I hold him accountable for that. You know, he, oh, well, I, you know, all right. whatever. Let I me, don't want to get into Let there, me, but. Yeah,
2: this is my job about Robo-Ump too. And this is the last thing I got to get rolling. Um, I will say, I went golfing with some friends of mine today that were all college baseball players. So, um, no, not higher than college level guys, but they're like, dude, I want the Astros to win so bad. He has no idea that I was on a podcast with Blum. I mean, he doesn't even know that I'm like tied to the Astros at all. Um, you know, the fact that my partner is the color analyst, you know, on TV for the Astros. And he said, because dude, we've been trying to steal signs since the beginning of time, you know, I mean, that was his argument. So trash can or not, he's like, every team does it. Everybody's trying to do it. If they're not doing it now, I mean, you can debate whether the electronic sign stealing and all that stuff is legal, but other teams are doing it, which again, you know, you tell your kids, right. It's just because someone else is doing, it doesn't mean you should do it too. But I will say it was funny to hear somebody else's perspective. That's not my opinion. He just said, I want the Astros to win and shut up all the naysayers. And so I don't know if that, you know, gives you pride or like makes you, uh, you know, cringe in your seat. But, you know, Mm -hmm. this is something that's been going on for a long, 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 long time. And I would agree as a fan, you know, having to deal with it and the repercussions is not comfortable. But the Astros, you can take comfort in the fact that the Astros were not the only team doing it, and they were certainly not the only ones that were trying to do it.
1: Well, I, I understand that, and I, I totally believe 100% that they're not the only ones doing it, because there were teams that got fined for it. There were teams yeah. that got fined for it in two years in a row, you right. know, and... uh yeah. But still that, what I'm saying. That doesn't make it right. You're right. It's no, what right, I'm so. saying is since whenever that came out, November or when I, I don't know when that came out last year. Mm-hmm. In the off sometime in the off season. It had to have been November or December, mid January, who knows. I mean, but I guess the Astros are getting abused and it seems like Jose Altuve is taking it worse than anybody else. But the us, the fans. You know, we're the ones taking it. We're yeah. the ones getting abused. And and yeah. I don't know if people agree with that, but that's how I feel. It's like, you know, somebody, the Astros will tweet something. Hey, today is grandparents' day at the ballpark. Cheaters. Cheaters. We hate you. We hope you die. You use trash cans. You're a bunch of cheaters. like, alright, dude. Just calm down. Yeah. We're not doing it. Do you Do you think the guys in the in the clubhouse or sitting here reading your tweets. No, you're abusing us, the fans. We didn't cheat, dude. And then they say, "Oh, y'all are proud of it. You condone cheating." No, we right. don't. But were they using buzzers? No. You know, like you y'all went too far. We're upset that they did it. And then you know, it's like the other fan bases forced us to become wrestling bad guys that's how i look at it
0: right we're
2: heels yep and and to your point though like would you hire aj or not and you said no i mean i i understand you know the buck has to stop with someone i just feel like you know sometimes that's the uh the leader has to fall on the sword right he has to take the responsibility and i i guess he knew about it at some point but he. you know, this is something that was probably bigger and a little more powerful and a little stronger than he was. And honestly, Possibly. I mean, with AJ, like if he gets the Detroit Tigers job or something like that, like watch out, right? I mean, that team could be some, a, a force to be reckoned with.
1: Yeah. You know, you know, another thing I didn't like about him and before I let you go yep, is when, when they interviewed him on TV and they said, Hey, were y'all using buzzers last year? And he said, the – I mean MLB had a report done. They they investigated us. They found no proof of buzzers, and I believe the report. Hmm. He should have said no. Yep. No way. No – none of us used buzzers. That's right. bull crap. That's what he should have said. Yep. I mean he made himself look like a liar. And yeah. and who pays for that? Us. Yeah, you know, Rob, you're
2: bringing up good points in terms of a fan. I will just say this, and I have these conversations with uh, with Blum and other guys that I know that played. It's really difficult because it's, you know, this kind of goes back to earlier in the podcast when I said, like, Joe Madden like, yanking his pitchers out and Blake Snell coming out last night. I felt like that was just a big mistake. But, I mean, I guess until we walk a mile in another man's shoes, man, it's really hard to judge. And I would agree with you. I mean, I think he knows they didn't use buzzers, but he probably, you know, this is the first time he's ever been in a situation like that, right? Being grilled on 60 minutes about what you did and what you didn't do. And a lawyer probably got in his ear and said, make sure you answer it this way or that way. So I'm not saying right or wrong either way. Um, And I'm I'm not beholden to AJ in any regard. I just, you know, I know some things behind the scenes in terms of the kind of character he has and you know, what type of person he is. But again, I mean, I think sometimes until we walk a mile on another man's shoes, it's really hard, but I think the ultimate point that you bring up and I forget about this because I try to be uh, impartial, especially even rooting for teams. There are a few teams I like, but you know, I mean, you brought this up earlier, the fans are paying the price and that that's probably a very, um, I don't know. It's a big burden to carry, right? It's a tough, a tough road to hoe. And so I think that's, that's certainly, uh, apparent when you talk about it
1: all right buddy we are well over the hour mark and i could probably talk to you for another two or three hours but we just won't do that we'll have to bring you back in the off season we'll do some off season chat what do you think yeah i'm good with that and
2: Rob, you know, I appreciate, uh, appreciate you having me on, man. It's kind of fun. I, it's cathartic for me as well. I love that you're a diehard Astros fan and that you consider having me on since, you know, our connection isn't really, um, you know, the Astros, it's baseball in general. And, um, you know, without getting too personal, I, you know, I wish you well and I hope that you stay strong and continue to be, uh, you know, be a force for good, as they say, right? This is a, <laughs> this is a labor of love and, uh, it's been a pleasure to be on the podcast
1: all right thanks for joining me buddy i really really appreciate it and thanks to all of you for tuning in to me and my good buddy david tuttle we'll see you next time on astros baseball
0: thanks for listening to this episode of astros baseball make sure to subscribe so that way you will be alerted when there is a new episode follow rob on twitter at rob Fontenot.